Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. My name is Drake, and I'm so glad you're tuning in with us today. It's an honor to have you here tuning in on 4th of July weekend, and we're so grateful to celebrate the freedom we have in this country and that that we have as a people together. And it's been a challenging year for a lot of reasons, but I'm glad we get to come together and celebrate the unified freedom that we have in this country. So I hope that you're having a great weekend and able to celebrate and enjoy time with friends and family. And as we get into the conversation today, listen, we love to hear from you. So if you're on Facebook Live or our Church Online platform, make sure you use that chat and let us know uh, what's going on in your world. In fact, it's summertime, and so maybe you've already been on vacation or you have some plans coming up or you've got a staycation happening, but we'd love to hear your plans. Like, where are you going? What are you doing this summer? Engage on that chat. It's just a cool, small way we get to connect in community and hear from each other in this season. And at the same time, hey, we want you to know that you can stay up to date with all things City Church on our Facebook and our Instagram, and this is the handle. If you don't already follow us, you can go follow us or like our page. And we have some really cool stuff happening throughout the summer. If you missed our drive-in movies this last weekend, man, they were awesome and tons of fun. And we have more of them coming throughout the summer. We have nights of worship coming up. We have serve Sundays coming up. So lots of cool things for you to be involved in and plugged into and ways that we're going to serve our city. So make sure you're staying up to date through our social media platforms and our website. Now, today we're getting into chapter two of the book of Colossians. And man, it's been an awesome series. We're walking through this book of the Bible and the writer, his name is Paul, and he's kind of like a good dad writing to his kids. And in this scenario, he's, he's got a warning, if you will. Um, and, and I want you to just to help frame up the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, my wife and I, we, we went on vacation just a, a few weeks ago to Texas where our family is and we get to stay at a lake house and have a great time hanging out with family and friends. And one of the reasons that we love to go to the lake is, first of all, that's really the only fun thing to do in Texas um, when it's hot. But also, man, we, we love to do all things water sports and so skiing and tubing and kneeboarding and all the crazy things. And as we get out on the water, it's, it's so much fun because if you get up early, a lot of times if the weather's really nice, you look out across the lake and it's just beautiful. And it's like the, the water's just like glass out there. And it's not only fun to look at, but it is amazing to ski on. One of my favorite things to do is ski on that water when it's just flat and perfect. And when it gets bumpy, it gets a little rough. Um, And ironically, this round, we got there, and the first day we're at the lake, I fell off my skateboard, and I hurt my left arm pretty bad. And so I ended up in a sling from like day one of our trip. And so I didn't get to ski the whole time we were there. And so I kind of beca- became the, uh, the designated boat guy, right? I'm just like there hanging out. If someone's drowning, I might be able to help them because I have one hand available. We'll see. And then I ended up driving the boat a few times for everybody while they're playing in the water and pulling them around on tubes. And one particular day we got out there and it was awesome. And the water was still and we're slinging people around on tubes and we're having a blast. And it's awesome. And all of a sudden the wind picks up and it's like, out of nowhere, crazy wind, and it happens every now and then. And so the, the, the lake gets really choppy, and there's a, a push in direction, and there's a pretty strong current in the lake. And it's pretty fun while you're pulling around on tubes, but then we were going to take a break and come back into the dock. 
and park the boat. And when you're coming in, you kind of got to come in at an angle and then turn the boat and park it in this dock and get it up out of the water. And so I'm coming in and I'm, I'm this, you know, one-armed crippled guy rolling the boat in and you got gas over here in the steering wheel. And so we're cruising into the dock and the wind's pushing pretty hard, but I'm like, cool, we got this. And so I come around and we still have the tubes in the water and people holding on to them so we can get them all in, in there. And so it's just really me and like one other person in the boat getting ready to catch it. And so we go in to the dock and I turn the boat, get the nose lined up, we're ready to go in. And all of a sudden the wind pushes me. I mean, within just milliseconds, it feels like we are past the dock and we are heading for the rocks. And there's not a lot of margin between the dock and the rocks. It is like 10 feet, okay? And so I'm panicking, and we got to pull a 360, and I got one arm, right? So my gas and my steering are very uh, disconnected, and so I'm trying to get the boat out of the rocks and away from the dock, and I gun it and pull it out, and people are freaking out and worrying, and luckily, high anxiety, but we didn't crash the boat, and uh, we learned that I'm not allowed to drive when I only have one arm. Um, it's a good day maybe when I have two arms. And so in that moment, in the same way, our, our life with Jesus is like that. Um, that sometimes we jump in the water and it's like, you know, our relationship with Jesus is chill and it's just a, a nice day and we have a nice float going on and we're just hanging out, me and Jesus, and it's great and things are easy. And then out of nowhere, boom, there's heavy wind and heavy rain and we're being pushed in directions and pulled in directions that we don't want to go. And if we're not careful, we're careful our lives will end up in the rocks and we're going to smash against the dock and things are going to end up poorly for us. And, and Paul's conversation today is a warning that there are strong cultural winds and strong cultural waves that come along that try to push us off course when it comes to following Jesus. And they're, sometimes they're slight and sometimes they're heavy and they push and pull in directions that we're not intending to go to get us away from God's will and God's plan for our life. And so you could say that following Jesus has the potential to be controversial at times. Are you with me? Like, it's, it's possible that when you look at the life of Jesus, some of the things that he said, some of the things that he did... Um, they don't exactly make for small talk around the water cooler, right? Like there's some things that Jesus said and did that you don't just bring up at your neighborhood barbecue. There's some things that aren't exactly in your top 10 retweets uh, when it comes to following Jesus. Some things are great, but there's some things you're like, mm, I, don't, you know, I don't know if I'd say that out loud. And so can we just agree that following Jesus can be controversial at times? Are you with me? And, and the question that I want to propose today is that when there are waves and, and when there's wind that comes and, and there's this tension of following Jesus, Jesus and, and having people like us, if you will, um, that there's this tension of being controversial. How, how do we live in the messy middle of following Jesus and loving Jesus and loving people while sometimes it's difficult? And, and to be fair, I think um, social media makes this challenging, right? Like if you're on social media, the whole point of social media is what? It's to get people to like you. <laughs> Right, that's the whole point, is to have someone like the stuff you're posting. And so sometimes um, it, it's hard because not everything that Jesus said and did and not everything that Jesus represents is popular and, and worthy of a like. And so there's these strong winds and waves that kind of creep in out of nowhere on our nice, chill days with Jesus that throw us off course. And Paul's warning today is, hey, if you're paying attention to them, then, then you won't end up in the rocks and you won't get, end up smashed against the dock, but rather you can be ready for them and you can be anchored. And so today I'm going to give you the big idea that that we can stay anchored, if you will. We can, we can stay anchored in our life with Jesus while we're still loving and serving people really, really well. And so I'm going to give you four things, four ways, if you will, to stay anchored when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And so Paul gets into it. I'm going to give you the first one right off the back, and that is receive Jesus. How, how do we stay anchored? The first thing we need to do is receive Jesus. Everybody say, receive Jesus, receive Jesus. Now watch how Paul gets into it in uh, verse 6 here. 
of chapter 2 in, in, the, in the book of Colossians. He's writing to this baby church. Um, who Things are going really well for them. We're a baby church. Things are going well for us. So very similar context. And he's just warning them so they're prepared, if that makes sense. And he says, therefore, he just got done talking about how uh, Jesus is all that they need. And, and their new life in Jesus is more than enough for all of life's challenges. And so he goes on and he says, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so Paul kicks it off and, and he says, hey, as you receive Jesus, continue to walk. So let me just encourage you. Um, if you haven't received Jesus, man, man, like where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Are, are, you, are you interested in following Jesus? Are you interested in knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus? And it's interesting, you need to ask yourself the question, um, who is Jesus I'm, if I'm going to follow him and receive him? Like, what does that mean? And Paul identifies him as the Lord. And that word is really important and unique uh, because that means that Jesus is not just, you know, the, this peasant guy who taught and, and said some really good things and, and died and, you know, maybe is God and, you know, we don't really know. But rather, he is Lord. That, that, that's like a title of authority that he's in charge that when I receive Jesus, I don't have to achieve for him. I'm simply receiving the gift that he purchased with his life when he died for me on the cross and rose again. But when I receive him, I'm also putting him in the position of Lord, that he's in charge, that he's the one calling the shots, he's the one setting the direction of my life. And so one of the questions you need to ask yourself is, is do I want to receive Jesus? Have I received Jesus? And in this context, um, the guys he's writing to, they have. And so now he's encouraging them, hey, if you have received Jesus, walk in him. Keep, continue the relationship. This is relational language. I want you to think about like taking a walk around you know, the block or around the lake or just, just a nice evening stroll with your family or friends or holding hands with your significant other, whatever it is. It's a relational, intimate term to continue to walk with him. One of the things we say here often at City Church is our first calling is intimacy with Jesus, not ministry for Jesus. Or another way to say it is our first calling is intimacy with Jesus, not activity for Jesus. That activity flows out of our intimacy and our relationship with Jesus. So my first question with you would be, hey, how's, how's the relational aspect going? How's your time with God daily? How's, how's that daily time walking with Jesus? And again, if we're going to stay anchored, if we're going to be uh, in the middle of the water when the wind picks up and the waves pick up and we're going to stay anchored, one of the keys is our relationship with Jesus staying intact. And he has some other language. He uses the word rooted. And that's like a gardening term, right? Everybody's pulled that, that gnarly weed that has like, you know, uh, roots all down into it, right? To where it takes everything you've got and a shovel or you've got to tie it to the back of a truck to pull it out, right? W roots are, are what allow you to stay connected and deep when life gets hard. And we've all seen weak trees with weak root systems that get blown over. And so he's using some gardening language to say, hey, listen, if you don't have a good root system, what happens? Man, you get, you get pushed around and you get moved around and you get unearthed and, and you die. You got to have good roots. And so he's asking the question, man, are your roots deep in Jesus? Like it's one thing to say, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want a relationship with you. But is that relationship with growing? Like it's okay when a baby plant has small roots. But as it grows and as it matures, if there's a bunch of external and very little internal, then, then it's not going to be able to last. And so how's the root system? How's your relationship with Jesus? Are the roots deep in Jesus? Are the roots deep in the Bible? Are your roots deep in prayer? Are your roots deep in community? He goes on and he says, rooted and built up. That's, that's construction language. How many of you guys are construction people, right? Like, you know, cutting wood and, you know, laying concrete and using bricks. And this is kind of like a daily, like, 
addition to my life with Jesus. It's like every day I'm laying a board. Every day I'm, I'm, I'm laying a brick and I'm continually adding to this life with Jesus. Not, not adding in the sense of more activity for him, but I'm building it up and growing in it. That it's, it's being built up. And the last one he, he uses is, is established. This is legal, legal language. And so I don't know how many of you are in the legal field, but this is like legal language when, you know, I, I bought a house and I signed the, the contract and, and, and it's finalized and it's settled or we, you know, we adopted our kid and, and it's official and they have our last name. This is something being legally settled. And this is the suggestion. Again, if we're going to be rooted, if we're going to be uh, um, anchored, if you will, when life gets hard, then we're going to be established. That means we have to settle some things in our life. So let me ask you a, a very simple question. What, what needs to be settled in your life? When it comes to following Jesus, man, you've you got to get to a place where you just settle some things. Like, is Jesus God? Okay? Like, like, Am I going to believe that or not? I got to settle that one. Or like, is the Bible trustworthy and true? Like, I got to settle that thing. Or like, you know, is, is receiving forgiveness from Jesus enough? Or do I have to continue to feel bad and live in guilt and shame? Like, I've got to settle some things in my life. And so I don't know what that looks like for you, but some things need a final verdict. And so again, if we're going to stay in the flow of God's grace, if we're going to um, have different fads and trends and different cultural pressures and tensions that come our way that want to push us away from Jesus or pull us away from the path that God has for us, then we've got to have a foundation. We have to have an anchor. And he wraps it up and he says um, that, that you do all of this abounding in thanksgiving, like there's excessive thanksgiving. And uh, one of the ways, and you know this, like just think about it for a second, one of the ways to grow and sustain a healthy relationship with another person is to look for things to be thankful for, right? Like, like if, you, if you'll be less critical and just look for things to be thankful for and say that out loud, it actually grows the relationship. In the same way, our relationship with God, if we just look for things to be thankful for, then we find that our, that relationship is going to grow and that relationship is going to increase. Whereas if you and I find ourselves being ungrateful or, or unattentive, then it makes it easy to stray. It makes it easy to pull up that anchor and start to drift. And so he's giving us some encouragement on the front end. And he goes on, I'll give you the second point now, not only to receive Jesus, but man, if we want to stay anchored, we have to remain with Jesus. Everybody say remain. Remain with Jesus. Watch what he says in verse 8, and this is where it gets really interesting. He goes on and he's um, having this continual conversation, this warning, if you will, about the, the wind and waves of culture. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive, that's like language of being a prisoner of war, okay, by philosophy and empty deceit. Philosophy, not all philosophy is wrong for the record. He's not saying like the pursuit of wisdom is bad, but there are certain philosophies that are being presented that are contrary to Jesus and they're, they're presenting something that, that actually ends up being empty and deceitful. According to human tradition, they have a source. According to the elemental spirits, we'll talk about that, that's the spiritual realm of the world and not according to Christ. I want you to think about when you go to the doctor. When you go to the doctor and let's say you're sick, what does the doctor typically do? They give you some kind of medication. They give you a pill with something in it that's actually going to make your body well. It's, it's actually going to have an effect internally that changes and makes you well. At the same time, you know about it, uh, that there's these things called placebos, right? And, and they look like a pill, they, they smell like a pill, they taste like a pill, but they're actually fake. They're empty on the inside. They're filled with sugar. They, they have no real effect. And what he's saying is there's some cultural winds and waves that come your way that present ideas as true, but they're really placebos. And the way we can identify them is if they are discrediting or, or pulling you away from Jesus, if they're going to be contrary to 
Jesus, and again, this is not against philosophy, this is not that conversation, but rather there's a specific cultural trend happening as Paul writes this that he doesn't tell us about directly, that, that he's addressing. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But for us, he, he goes on again, and he, he says they have a source, and there's these elemental spirits behind it. And, and this is one of those interesting conversations um, that if, if you need a good resource, let me recommend a book. I love to recommend books to you. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, and it's a really, really helpful, not scary, but incredibly wise and insightful book on the spiritual realm and specifically of like angels and demons and, and, and the things unseen. And so typically when it comes to uh, um, the conversation around angels and demons, like it's either all or nothing. There's two extremes. Like, oh, we don't believe in that. We don't think about it at all. Or like everything's a demon, right? Oh, my car won't start. It's got to be a demon. Like, oh, it's got to be, you know, there's a demon in my car. Or your battery died. Like one of the two. Oh, man, my, you know, they left the cheese off my burger. It's got to be a demon, right? Or... <laughs> Or it's just a, a poor quality service, like, right? There's two extremes, and there's a healthy middle of acknowledging it and not obsessing about it. Um, and he doesn't spend a ton of time on this, and we won't either, but I'm just uh, acknowledging the text that, hey, some of the uh, cultural trends that get a lot of momentum and a lot of movement and a lot, of, like if it's anti-Jesus or, or if it's diminishing Jesus in any way, you can assume that there's going to be demonic influence behind it. And that's what he's saying is there's some philosophies that are presented um, that have a bigger influence than we can see on the front end. And, and let me just give you uh, kind of the conclusion for him as he, as he wraps up this little section. He says, for in him, that's Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's a really fancy way to say that Jesus is God, okay? It's God in a bod. Like, that's what he's saying. And, and so he's bringing it back, like, hey, there's, there's this placebo effect that comes in cultural waves at different eras and different times, but Jesus is still enough for you. Jesus is still God. And he, he goes on and he says, and you have been filled in him, meaning everything that you need, you have access to through your relationship with Jesus, who is the head of all rule and authority, meaning whatever cultural influence is going on around us, it, it, it doesn't even compare to the authority and the power of Jesus. So let me just briefly uh, address what I believe is maybe a, a hot point of, of conversation in our culture, like a current philosophy that, that represents a strong wind and wave in our culture when it comes to following Jesus. And, and I realize like some of you are not followers of Jesus and you're on the outside looking in, and I think this is going to help you wrestle uh, with probably some of the things that actually maybe are keeping you away from faith or, or taking that next step. And some of you, you're followers of Jesus, and you've experienced this tension, and, and it makes it really, really hard uh, when this reality comes up in our relationship with Jesus. And that is the idea of intolerance. The, the cultural wind and waves, if you will, the philosophy currently that, that um, is doing quite a bit of damage is the idea of, of intolerance or, or what it means to be tolerant. And uh, so what I want you to do right now is I want you to just briefly watch this video and see if any of this resonates with you. Uh, uh, Cosmo, can Okay, you're checked in. Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no, thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no. But you have to wear an AIDS ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to. But everyone wears the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. Well, what you are? You're a ribbon bully. Hey! Hey, you! Come back here! Come back here and put this on! <laughs> Hey, where's your ribbon? Oh, I don't wear the ribbon. You don't wear the ribbon? Aren't you against AIDS? Yeah, I'm against AIDS. I mean, I'm walking, aren't I? 
don't wear the ribbon. Who do you think you are? Put the ribbon on. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? <laughs> so, what's it going to be? Are you going to wear the ribbon? No. Oh, never. But I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. We are all wearing the ribbon. So why aren't you going to wear the ribbon? This is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear. What are we going to do with him? I huh? guess we're just going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's finished. Then. Oh, I told him he'd never make it. He was up all night. Oh, my God. Kramer? <laughs> Look at you. I told you. Up all night playing poker. Come on. Hey, where's your age ribbon? Okay, so uh, really helpful video, really funny. I mean, just, just a small way of, of understanding like the cultural pressures that we all experience. And that's not even a spiritual example. It's just a, a helpful and funny one. But there's a consistent pressure uh, uh, when it comes to uh, how we would define tolerance. And so let me just... Let me just help unpack this a little bit. There's, there's opposition, if you will. Anytime like, something that, that Jesus presents or something that Christianity presents is like, not completely accepted or it's a little tense or it's a little, uh, you know, uh, let's rethink that. There's a, there's a cultural shift like, oh, maybe we should re rethink Christianity or like, what does the Bible actually say about that? And typically what happens is uh, when, when there's a conversation around a hot topic issue, which there's, which there's a lot of them, um, but when there's a conversation around it, what we do is we try to elevate one of God's attributes over all of God's attributes. So rather than taking a holistic uh, look at all of what Jesus said, we elevate one primary attribute, and that's what's happening in our culture um, over the last couple of years, and that is this idea that God is what? Love, right? God is love. And what, and what we mean by that and, and the way that this works is that uh, God is, is tolerant, right? We, we, we mean love means tolerance. And, and the challenge is that Jesus defined and demonstrated love uh, for us, and the way we translate love and the way Jesus defined and demonstrated for us are not always the same, because we love pizza, and we love our moms, and we love our animals, and we love significant others, and, and Jesus helps us process that. But when we say God is love, what, what our culture would like it to mean is that God is tolerant in a very specific sense, meaning God doesn't reject anyone. God, you know, hell isn't a real thing. God accepts other religions and all roads will get you there and good people are, you know, and good intentions. It's all like God is absolutely tolerant. And the challenge is that word tolerance used to be defined as literally like I put up with you. I, I bear with you. And, and what that meant is I can disagree with you and still love you. But tolerance has been redefined in our culture as I celebrate you, and we don't disagree, and we're both right. And, and here's the challenge is if I don't accept that view of tolerance, then I'm intolerant. If I don't celebrate you and pretend like we don't disagree, then I'm intolerant. And, and so the challenge is that definition of tolerance means that, that 
Um, I, either I've got to follow Jesus or I've got to follow culture because I can't agree with both. So let me just give you a very simple definition or, or maybe an explanation because I think it's important that you hear this. God is absolutely tolerant. Like, man, he, he's loving and kind and patient. I mean, God is tolerant. And here's, here's the disposition. Here's the invitation from God. Here's the, here's the invitation from Jesus consistently over and over again. And this is why we love Jesus so much. It's because he, he says it just like this. Everyone anyone, come to me just as you are. Don't, don't fix anything. Don't change. Don't, don't jump through hoops. Don't, don't do the X, Y, and Z list thing. Just come to me just like you are. But here's the deal. His love is so incredible. His love is so big that he doesn't just tolerate us, but as we follow him, he changes us. And we become more like Jesus in the process. See, tolerance today says that there's nothing in you that needs to change. And Jesus said, actually, there's a lot in you that needs to change, right? And, and I think if we just took a, 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 a step back and looked at our lives, right, we, none of us are claiming that we're perfect. We know we're jacked up. We know that, that we, we, we could call it brokenness. We could call it mistakes. We can call it falling short. We could call it whatever we want. But we know that we're not consistent in the way that we love and the way that we serve, m much less God, but, but how about just our neighbors? And, and so Jesus said, actually, there's quite a bit in you that needs to change, and that's where the idea of repentance comes from. And, and so he, here's, here's how, how the invitation from Jesus looks, okay? Tolerance is this, come as you are. No hoops, no, just, just literally all your baggage, all your stuff, I mean, you name it. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how good or bad you think you are. Come just as you are. And there's an invitation to repentance. And that, so it's not just coming as you are, but then once I am beginning to process a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to acknowledge who I am, that I'm broken, that, I'm, that repentance literally means to change the way that I think. It means that I don't have it all together, that I'm willing to acknowledge that, that maybe God is right and I'm wrong. And then we get met, thirdly, with love. Not necessarily in this order, by the way, in case you're like, you know, write it down in order. But then we get met by love, which is, I will change who you are. So come as you are, acknowledge who you are, and then I will change who you are. This is incredible invitation from Jesus that is absolutely met with tolerance, but it's but it's framed up differently than our culture would like to define it. And so tolerance today in our culture sounds like this. I celebrate everyone and everything. But biblical tolerance, tolerance in, in light of how Jesus invites us to love and live, is I welcome everyone and everything. And my desire is that you'll encounter the love of God through the way that I love and serve you. And this is why at City Church we say over and over again, you don't have to believe to belong. And we absolutely mean it. We believe that, man, we can abs absolutely, we can disagree and still be friends. We can disagree and I can still love and serve you. We can disagree and I don't have to judge you. But the idea is that, man, through that love, you would encounter the incredible love of God. And so this is one of those big cultural wind and wave moments that's constantly pulling us away and, and trying to get us to compromise our faith in Jesus, or just, just a little bit. Let's just tweak it just a little bit, and we'll, and we'll see why this matters. Let's, let's go on. The third thing is that we have to remember Jesus. We don't have to just remain in Jesus when it comes to being anchored, but we have to remember Jesus. Watch this. He goes on, and he says um, in verse 11, in him, that's Jesus also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
Could we say circumcision one more time? Holy moly, right? Like, this is a pretty weird text. For us, it's kind of awkward that you would talk like this. In that culture and context, it's totally normal. Not only is there the circumcision of the flesh, which they would be familiar with, but this is speaking about the death of Jesus, that, that um, there would be uh, uh, his flesh broken open and his blood would be spilt for humanity. And so what we're seeing is Paul brings us back to the central focus, like, not, not to be worried about the philosophies of, of the world around us, but rather to focus on Jesus. My, my, my dad, he, he works at uh, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, which is like, like the money mint, right? Like, like where they print, print uh, you know, 20s and 100s and 50s. And it's really cool watching the process that they go through to make uh, our current dollar bills and our, our currency. Um, there's a ton of detail that goes into, uh, for example, a $100 bill. If you check one out and look at it, then, then you can really see um, the, the goal is that there's so much clarity around our current $100 bill that not only is it difficult to counterfeit, but that is easy to identify a counterfeit. See, one of the things we can get worried about is like we get, get freaked out as a Jesus follower. Like I got to, you know, focus on all the wind and the waves and I got to identify every counterfeit that comes my way and I got to guard myself. And no, the, the goal is not to live in fear. The goal is to be so familiar with the real thing that when a counterfeit creeps in, I can see it. Does that make sense? And so Paul doesn't spend a ton of time talking about the counterfeits. His goal is to get you to look at Jesus. Let's get back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And if I'm close to Jesus and walking with Jesus and rooted in Jesus and built up in Jesus, that when a counterfeit comes my way, I can easily recognize it. I don't have to fear it because I'm anchored in something deeper and bigger. And so he goes on. He says, uh, you know, Jesus was, was crucified and uh, having been buried with him in baptism in which uh, we're also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So some pretty big language, but it's, guys, this is so simple. He goes back to what Jesus did for us. He died. He was buried. Baptism is a symbol um, when someone goes under the water and come back, comes back up, it's a, it's a symbol of Jesus being buried and rising again. And by the way, just a heads up, if you're interested in being baptized, we have some baptisms coming up, hopefully in July, maybe August. And so we'd love to celebrate with you externally what Jesus has already done on the inside through baptism. But, but it's very simple. He, he's celebrating, hey, what Jesus did for you is enough, that my old life is buried with Jesus and he's given me new life, that I'm a new person, and I'm a changed person. I'm, I'm not just better, but I'm new. And he goes on to say that Jesus was raised and we're raised with him through faith. But guys, this is so important. Like Jesus didn't stay dead, right? He died for our sin. He raised and overcome sin, death, and the devil. And he's not just this dead ideology, but he's a living and, and loving savior that we get to have a relationship and walk with. And so Paul is elevating this reality for us. And here, here's why this is so important is, is because we can't afford to get bored or get beyond Jesus, Right, some of you, man, you, you've grown up in and around church, and so you've heard it all your life, like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you're like, all right, cool, I got it, man, it's, it's Jesus. And last week, maybe you tuned in, and you're like, okay, it's Jesus again. Like, we got anything else? No, like, no, that's the only thing on the menu. It's five guys, burgers and fries, it's just Jesus, okay? We got burgers, fries, and drinks, and that's it. And like, wait, can't we add something else to the menu? No, it's just Jesus all the time. It's all we've got, but it's awesome, Right? It's awesome. We don't need anything else on the menu. And I think some of us, we, we hear Jesus, Jesus, and we're like, oh, man, can we like, add a little Buddha in there? No. Like, can we add a little reincarnation? No, no. Like, it's just Jesus all the time, a steady diet of Jesus. That's what we need. And Paul is making a big deal about this. And, and some of us are like, all right, I've heard all this before. Why, why, is that, why is it a big deal? Listen, it's still good news. 
It's just as good news today as it was when I was 15 when it finally clicked with me and, and Jesus changed my life. Like, listen, my wife and I, we've been married for 10 years. And I still love getting kissed by her today just as much as I did the first day, right? I'm like, I'm for it. Let's celebrate it again. And so it's Jesus is enough. And let me just say this. Some, some of you are more creative. Uh, some of you are like more artsy-fartsy. And so you like to like look at things in different angles and like get creative with it. And that's fine. Join the band. Have some fun with it. Whatever you need to do. Join the creative team. But just because you like new doesn't mean that you, we, we need to reinvent Christianity, right? Like, like our goal is not to get get overly creative with Jesus in the Bible, but rather to stay faithful to it, to stay anchored in it. We can have creative expressions of it, but the goal is not to change it because Jesus is enough and it's consistent. Let me tell you this because there's a lot of conversation around the authority of the Bible here and like the value of digging into the Bible and spending time with God and the Bible. Let me just remind you, um, we don't believe in Jesus because of a true Bible, <laughs> Okay. We believe in Jesus because of verified eyewitness historical accounts. We believe in Jesus because of his resurrection. A real guy who really called himself God, who really died, who was really buried, and who really got back up again. We don't believe in Jesus because of a true Bible. It's actually the other way around. We believe in the Bible because of a true Jesus. So don't get it mixed up. Don't think like, you know, it's all the Bible and it's ignorant and we're just holding on to an old book. No, man, we're pressing into Jesus and we trust Jesus and what he had to say about what we would call the Bible today, which would have been just a collection of his teachings and writings at the time. Now, let's go on to this last point. Uh, the last thing, if we're going to stay anchored in our relationship with Jesus, is we got to rejoice in Jesus. Come on, man. Somebody get excited. It's so hard to talk to an empty room, by the way. I'm so excited, but there's no one here to celebrate with me. I'm just going to assume that you're so excited on this couch right now. This is a big deal. Watch what happens. And he says, and you. Who's he talking about? You and me and you and you and you. I don't know who I'm pointing to, but it's you. He's talking to us, and he says, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. There it is again. We just can't get away from it, can we? God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Pause. Some people say, oh, man, like, I, I just, I was born a Christian. I've been a Christian my whole life. No, you weren't. Like, he says that you were born dead in your trespasses, dead spiritually, and Jesus made you alive. You don't start out alive. You're not, you, you didn't, you know, start into this life looking for Jesus and loving Jesus and serving Jesus and longing for Jesus and living for Jesus. That wasn't in you. Jesus does a transformation internally, and it changes everything. And some, some people ask, like, oh, man, so what does it take to have a relationship with Jesus and to be saved? It's just trusting in Jesus. It's just Jesus. Like, it's, it's such good news. And, he, and it go, watch this. He says um, that he's forgiven us all of our trespasses. That's a big word, all. You know how many all is? Like all, okay? Like, in case you were wondering, the Greek translation is all, okay? And, and that means, like, not some. It's a good thing that I, I've been forgiven of all my junk and not, like, some of it. Because if I got to pay for it at the end and, like, I got to work some of that out, I got to do some overtime and community service for less than my all, then I might be in trouble. But Jesus paid for all of it. Check this out. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Listen, when someone was crucified at this time, they would have understood it. So I've got to bring you into context. When someone was crucified for, for like, criminal acts or whatever, they 
would, on a piece of paper, post all of their trespasses, all, all of their criminal wrongdoings on a piece of paper and post it to the cross that they were being crucified to. And, and so Paul is writing, he's saying, Jesus took our list, and when he died on the cross, it's like our list was put on the cross. And so all of us, he's like, guilty, 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 we're all guilty. But then Jesus takes our list, and he dies in our place, canceling our debt. Guys, this is really, really good news. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And check it out. This is so cool. He disarmed, like Jackie Chan, the rulers and authorities and put them, maybe better than Jackie Chan, but I like Jackie Chan. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's a huge statement that I got to unpack as we close out, so stick with me because this is the best part, okay? Storyline of the Bible. You ready to go? I'm just going to give you the whole thing in like the next couple of seconds, probably not seconds, maybe minutes. Okay, here we go. All right, God is creator. Everything else is creator, right? God creates all, like everything that we know and see, but on the beginning, it's the angels, and, and in the beginning, there's this guy named Lucifer, turns out to be the devil, and, and he uh, is created and becomes proud and says, you know what? I think God is wrong. I'm going to be God, and he recruits a third of heaven's angels and just declares war on God. Big, mighty, cosmic battle Satan and his demons are defeated. They're cast out from heaven. And then fast forward to God creating humanity. We have Adam and Eve in the garden. They're perfect. There's no sin. There's no rebellion. And then the, this, this snake, Lucifer, the devil, he comes along and he tempts them to elevate their pride, to say, you know what? God's not right. We want to be right. We want to be king. We want to we be in charge. And so then our parents, listen, our parents... The first two humans, they declare war on God. God, you're wrong. We're right. And this starts this incredible disconnect in our relationship with God, which ultimately leads to Jesus. Now watch this. God responds to that moment. He comes down. He looks at the devil, and he says, listen, I'm going to send a king in the future, and he's going to crush you. And his name is Jesus. And he looks at men and women, and he says, you know what? There's no hope for that guy, but for you, there is an opportunity for forgiveness. And his name is Jesus. Fast forward 2,000 years. What happens? This guy, the king, comes down to earth. His name is Jesus. And, and you got to understand, this is like this epic battle. Think Lord of the Rings and like all the epic battle scenes that you've ever imagined. That's the imagery that's happening here. There's something in the human heart that loves like the good and the bad and the, and, and the incredible battle. It's why we get in stadiums and we have two big wars happening between two teams and, and we, you know, cheer and, and go crazy and our team won even though we didn't do anything. We ate nachos, but we, we have this celebration of desire to be a part of a team and it's all going back to this original narrative. And, and so Jesus, the king, he comes down and he recruits 12 soldiers these 12 guys, these disciples that are going to march with him into battle. And then Satan, the devil, he enters into one of these 12 guys. And this guy betrays Jesus. And Satan thinks he's won. And Jesus is arrested. Jesus is beaten. Jesus is betrayed. Jesus is murdered. And Satan is celebrating. Satan and the demons, man, they think they've won. And, and again, in this, in this idea of, of war and two kingdoms battling it out, right, the kingdom that wins, they get to take the spoils and they come out on top. And so then on the cross, Jesus hides his victory in defeat. Jesus dies, but as he lets out his last, bre last breath, he cries out, it is finished, declaring that he is the ultimate winner. There's two kingdoms and two kings, and there's this epic war, and one must 
win. And you have to understand that the conquering king, no matter which side you're on, would loot and defeat the other kingdom. And that's the language here, triumphing over them, putting them to open shame. And so Jesus on the cross defeats the devil and defeats the kingdom of darkness and triumphs over him. And here's the deal. You and I cannot truly appreciate this until we understand that the entire time we were on Satan's side. The entire time we were a part of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus comes in and he conquers our king and there we are expecting to to be enslaved and looted, and instead, guys, we're adopted. And Jesus looks at us, and he says, man, you were captives, but now I'm setting you free. He says, you were slaves, but now you're sons and daughters. Come with me, follow me, enjoy my kingdom with me. And man, Jesus, I was was his enemy, and he saved me, and he set me free. And, And guys, this is the amazing narrative of humanity that God loves us so much that he doesn't just tolerate us, but he, but he pays for our trespasses, our brokenness, and adopts us into his family. And so don't ever lose how amazing this is. This is why we stay anchored to Jesus, because of his incredible love for us. So I'm going to give you a couple of action steps. Daniel's going to come up and play, and we're going to end our time together. But I need you to wrestle with a few things, okay? And I know this is a lot, and so I just need you to process with me for a moment. What do you need to settle? What in your life needs to be settled? Like what, what, what currents are pulling you around? What wind and waves are pushing you away or, or pulling you away from Jesus? What, what issues have you not settled? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Is Jesus God? Are you willing to make him Lord? Are you willing to receive the free gift of God's love in your life? Because friends, you can do it today and it doesn't cost you anything because Jesus paid it all. What do you need to settle today? Second thing is, what do you need to celebrate? Maybe one of the things that has made it difficult for you to anchor your soul in the reality and to resist the wind and the waves as they come is a lack of celebration. What has Jesus done in your life if you're a follower of Jesus? What is Jesus doing in your life if you're a follower of Jesus? What has Jesus promised that he will do that he hasn't done yet that you can hold on to? What do you need to be celebrating? And you're going to find that fondness grows and relationship grows and and your roots are going to grow down deep as you celebrate more and more. And the last thing is who are you going to share it with? Who are you going to share the struggle and the celebration with? Who are you walking in community with? Who is keeping you encouraged? Jesus doesn't just invite us as single individuals into his family, but we're adopted into his family together. That we're not just with him, but we're with each other in this family. And maybe you've been alone, maybe you've been walking alone, maybe this season has isolated you and has made you depressed and anxious and frustrated and angry, and I want you to know we're here for you, and we love you, and and you're welcome here. And guys, you don't have to believe to belong, and we mean it with everything in our being, but this is a safe place where you're loved and welcome, and our goal is that you experience the love of God. And once you experience the love of God, you stay in the love of God and you walk it out on a daily basis and you walk it out in community. And so I don't know what it looks like for you, but would you reflect and would you do something with it? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much. Thank you for Jesus 
Holy moly. Thank you for Jesus who, who was our enemy and who stepped in and rescued us from a kingdom of darkness and gave us new life and adopted us into his family and invited us into his kingdom. And man, would we press into that? Would it overwhelm our hearts? Would it overwhelm our minds? And would it change the narrative? And for any of my friends on the other side of this who have not said yes to you, Jesus, would you overwhelm their heart with your love today? And would they receive that gift for the first time? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Use that connection card. Text the word new on the screen if you want to get connected to the community. Text the word follow if you want to know more about following Jesus. Let us know how we can help you and serve you in this season. Love you guys. See you soon.